Well, we are in uh, in Leviticus, and we are now in chapter nine of Leviticus, and today we're going to be talking about approaching God. We're going to be talking about, you know, how we, as a people of God, how we can, how we can come to this place. And we know one thing that. You know, whenever you think of any dignitaries, whenever you think of, of any presidents or of any rulers, kings or queens, there's always, you know, a preparation that needs to be done whenever you desire to approach them or go to them. You know, we know that uh, there's many things that need to be done, and most of all, they need to check you out, right? And so, uh, so if any of us ever wanted to be uh, before any of these rulers or kings. We know that there's things and steps that need to be uh, taken place before we approach them. Well, it's the same way it is with God. I want you to think about this. You know, for us, you know, when they do a background check with, for us to approach God, what is it that they look for? What is it that God looks for? He looks for our faith in Jesus, right? If we have faith in Jesus and we have the right to approach the king we have the right to approach God isn't this what Jesus said in John 14 6 he said that no one goes to the father but through him right he is the way the truth and the life and so we know that the only way to approach God is is through Jesus Christ and the only way to approach God is by us placing our faith in him and so that's what we're going to be talking about today because prior to Jesus how is it that man could approach God? How is it that man could be acceptable to God? And we've been going through this, right? We've been going through the various sacrifices. We know that in order for man to approach God, they needed to be cleansed and covered from their sin. And so the only way to do this, God said, you know what? You're going to have to have sacrifices. Sacrifices that can pay the penalty for your sins. Sacrifices that, that just... Uh, you know, cover you and, and make you acceptable to me. And so today we're going to see that the people are going to see the glory of God. And they're going to see His presence. And we know that just in being in His presence, that is a blessing. That is probably the greatest spiritual blessing that any of us can ever receive is to stand in His presence. But most importantly, we're going to be talking about how it is that we approach him. And with that, I want us to begin to read in verse 1. Verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 9. It says there that it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. So remember, the seven days, the seven days that it took to consecrate Aaron and his sons. And if we remember what is consecration, you know, remember it was just setting apart, it was dedicating, it was devoting the priest for special, specific service. And we know that this service was unto the Lord, and for seven days they consecrated Aaron and his sons. And they put all the attire on him, and, and they actually uh, had uh, sin offerings and burnt offerings that were that were given to the Lord to, to make these guys right, to make them right in order to be ready to serve God. And so this whole event was called their ordination. See, their ordination was one of seven days. And we know that seven means what? Completion, right? So in seven days, it was complete. Now they were able to serve the Lord. And so it is a time now that... that that's over and the time is, as it says there, is the eighth day and it is a time now to get to work. And one thing that we know about people that work, as we know it is for us, you know, as we have a labor of love. See, when it came to the priests, the priests, you know, when they were ordinated, right? When they had their ordination, when they were consecrated, it was now time to begin to bear fruit. It was now time to begin to do the work and see when it comes to us as the word has shared with us that we are what all a holy priesthood 
And so because we're a holy priesthood, you know what? We automatically have that consecration immediately when we say yes to Christ. And when we say yes to Christ, that's when the work begins in us, doesn't it? See, the Lord desires that we would all bear what? Fruit. Right? As soon as, the, as soon as we surrender our hearts to the Lord, it is God's desire that we would all bear fruit. For we know that faith without works is what? It's dead, right? See, faith without works is dead. And we know that it's not works that save us because none of us can ever earn salvation. And we know that the Word of God says that our righteousnesses, anything that is good in you is as filthy rags to the Lord. And so we know that works will always be the evidence of your faith. Remember that. Works are always the evidence of your faith. And that's what's written in James 2.14. You know, just remember this. That as soon as you surrendered your life to the Lord, do you remember how things started changing within you? You know, how you began to, first of all, think differently. And then all of a sudden you caught yourself doing different things. And then you began hearing yourself say better things, right? And you know what? This is exactly what happens to us because, see, as we give ourselves to the Lord, things begin to change in us. We begin to bear what? Immediate fruit. And see, and for the priests, their lives were to be used to, to be spiritual leaders for the people of Israel. And we know that they were immediately called to get and to do work. And so for us, you know, as we surrender our lives to the Lord, it's important that our lives begin to bear what? Good fruit. Because now we've become what? Good trees, right? Isn't that what we all want to be? Good trees that bear great and abundant and juicy big fruit, right? That's what we want. You know, we, we don't want to be those, those Charlie Brown Christmas trees, right? You remember those? that There's just one ball in there and it tips over, right? Yes, God does love that tree also. But see, God's desire is that we would bear great and abundant fruit. That is what God wants from us. That's what God wants from you and from me. For we know that a bad tree bears bad fruit, but a good tree will bear good fruit. And we see here that in verse 1, that after the ordination, Moses calls Aaron and his sons, and the elders of Israel. Let's see what he wants him to do. In verse 2 it says, And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. So Aaron, as we see here, man, you know what? Didn't he just have to do all of this before? You know, we had the sin offerings and then we had the burnt offerings. and They're the same things, right? I mean, have you, have you noticed that how many animals had to be sacrificed over and over again? And what the Lord is saying is for Aaron, he's to take, him, take for himself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them to the Lord. These are for him to do. See, whenever you look at this and as we think about it man they had to sacrifice a lot of animals to cover their sin right how many animals were killed to cover their sin to pay the penalty for their sins you know for us we know that all it needed was one right jesus christ the perfect lamb of god you know and when we think about it right i was i, I had this devotional that was sent to me and and as I was reading it, it was saying, you know what? The animal. You know what? Can the animal truly replace our sins? I mean, you know, it's a substandard, inferior thing that is killed for our sins. See, and it's not an adequate sacrifice. Think about it. Can an animal replace your life? No, right? But see, God says, you know what? I'm going to get somebody that's superior to you. That points 
to his ultimate sacrifice. See, because he's greater than any man, but yet, if he dies for our sins, that makes it acceptable to God. Where the animal was inferior to us, so in reality, it wasn't acceptable, but it was just a covering. Something that God had ordained in order that these people would be cleansed and in order that they can approach the Lord. And so we have here the bull as a sin offering. And this is why, again, so his sins can be forgiven, right? An animal had to be killed, right? The, the bull had to be killed as a sin offering, it says there. And the sin offering was given so that he can receive forgiveness of his sins. Somebody had to pay the penalty. And at this time, since Jesus hadn't come, it was the bull. And then the ram, as a reminder, the ram was given as a burnt offering. And a burnt offering is for total dedication. As a reminder, remember the burnt offering, all of the body parts in a burnt offering were always put on the altar and burned. And like I shared with you before, when you've left tortillas or meat on there too long and you forget about it and you come back and you see it all in ashes, that's the way it was with the burnt offering. They were to leave it on the altar because the whole thing was dedicated to the Lord and it was symbolic of them of themselves being completely dedicated to the Lord. And so here we see again that Aaron had to do what? The sin offering and the burnt offering. If we keep reading in verse 3, and it says there, And to the children of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering, and a calf, and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish, as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as a peace offering to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil. Today the Lord will appear for today the Lord will appear to you. So what we have here is now see all of the the priests. I mean Aaron and his sons they were all dedicated and they were all you know went through their ordination and now it was a preparation for the people of God to be ready for the presence of God. Remember, this is what this message is about. Being prepared, being acceptable for the Lord. And that's what these people had to do. And the only way to do it was Aaron said, I mean Moses told Aaron, go and get a kid of goats for the people. This is for all the people, for the two million people that were in Israel. They had to get a goat as a sin offering a calf and a lamb, both, both of the first year, as a burnt offering, a bull and a ram as a peace offering, and a grain offering mixed with oil. And all of these were to be given to the Lord. And remember, what was the sin offering for? I, I just repeat this so that you can remember this thing. It is for forgiveness, right? What is a burnt offering? For dedication. Do you remember what the peace offering was? The peace offering was making peace with God so you can have fellowship with God and the grain offering remember that was an offering made to the Lord that you were surrendering all that you were a servant of God and that you were giving your service to him as a servant of the most high and again this was all done so that they can cleanse themselves to be acceptable and so that they can approach God so that they can restore their fellowship with him which was broken by sin and so let's read in verse 5. It says, So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. So we, here they say that, you know what? That they did all of this. You know, everything that Moses commanded, they did it. They brought it before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near. So in other words, all means what? All. Imagine all the two million people, how many rows there had to be lined up before the tabernacle to see what was going to take place here. And so we have this. And we have all of these people right there lined up. I wonder if they made uh, chairs and, and any ladders or whatever. Who knows? I mean, I don't know how they all saw it, but they were to line up and to see what was going on. Let's keep reading in verse 6. It says, Then Moses said, This is a thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. So in other words, 
You know what? They had to do these things in order for the glory of the Lord to appear to them. And you know what? Sometimes we're wondering, you know what? Why does God do certain things, right? I mean, you know what? We're faced in life many times and we're wondering, why is it that God wants me to do these things? Or why is it that, you know what, that I have to, I have to do certain things and, 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 and you know what, why is it, Lord? You know what, as Paul said it so clearly, he says, does the clay have the right to question the potter? See, for us, there's many whys that we have, right? And if we can ever get to a place of just saying, Lord, your will. Is all I want. You know what? As we talked about on Sunday, just resting in the Lord. I mean, many of us, as I've shared with you before, we're either in trials, we're coming out of one, or we're 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 getting into one. And you know what? As we know that trials make us what stronger in Him. I mean, they make us complete, right? It's you know, as His Word says, without the testing of our faith, you know, we're not made perfect. And it's just like anything else, when you exercise a muscle, when you go through the various testings of your life, you become better. And you become stronger in the Lord as you learn to trust in Him. See, it's that muscle that's being built up in you to trust in Him and to be better and stronger in the Lord. A place of just resting in Him as we talked about this past Sunday. And so we know here that, you know what? That Moses is saying, you know what? I mean, that the Lord has commanded them and Moses has told them, we got to do all these things. If you want to see the glory of the Lord, we got to do these things. You know, and these people, they're probably like, man, you know what? We got to do it again or, or for whatever reason, maybe they're questioning. But see, when it comes to the Lord, the Lord says, the only way to approach me is if you've been cleansed of your sin. See, for us as a people, we need, to be, we need to understand that light and darkness cannot dwell together. See, when it comes to the Lord, He needs to have us cleansed and holy in order to live with Him. Because see, no ounce of sin or darkness can ever be in His presence. See, that's why in heaven there is no shadows, there's no darkness whatsoever. There is no need of light when we go to heaven. Do you know why? Because the glory of God lights up the heavenly city. Imagine there's not a need of, of sun when we go to heaven. Because it's going to be God that illuminates and brings light into the heavenly city. And that's where we're going to be. And what's so awesome is the streets are going to be made like gold. And the walls are filled with, with jewels and precious stones. And what's so awesome about that place is that, as I've shared with you in the past, there's no death, there's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no tears. It's the place where we all want to be because we know that in this world, there is all of this. And you can turn on the newspapers, you can turn on your computer, you can hear the news, and it just brings grief and sorrow to you, doesn't it? Just by seeing the wickedness that's in this world. But for us, we know that when we place our faith in Jesus, we have the right to be in the presence of God. Not because of anything that we've done, but because His righteousness, we have been clothed with it. And when God the Father sees you and me, He doesn't see us anymore. He sees His Son in us. His righteousness that has been imputed, that has been placed on our account, so that we can be in his presence. Let's keep reading. Verse 7 says, And Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. So he tells, Moses tells Aaron, Go begin your work. You know, he was just, you know, they had the ordination for seven days. On the eighth day, it says, It's time to get busy. And so, you know, he goes and tells them, make the offering for yourself and make the offerings for the people. Verse 8 says, Aaron therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for who? For himself. You know, as we look at this, I, 
I want to remind you of something. And, you know, as we think of the calf, do you remember when Moses was up in the mountain and he hadn't come down? Remember, it was 40 days and, and the people were wondering, is he ever coming down? And they said, you know what, Moses isn't coming down. Let's make for ourselves a God that we can worship. And what was it that they gave to Aaron? They gave him gold, right? And who was the one that fashioned that idol that he made? Aaron. He was the one that made it and molded it into a what? It was a calf. And what's the first thing that he's offering or sacrificing to the Lord? A calf. And what was this for? For his sin. See how, you know what, the Lord has a funny way of, of bringing things back to us. You know what, and as it's all before the people, right? I mean, remember, there's what, two million people that are there. And so they're all witnessing this, that Aaron has to now kill and sacrifice a calf for his sins. This wasn't for anyone else, but it was for the sins that he had committed. And you know what, when we talk about idolatry let me mention this to all of you why does the Lord hate idolatry you know when we think about the reasons why he hates idol worship see because God is the only one that deserves all glory right he's the only one that deserves all worship and he knows that the ones that you are worshiping aren't worthy None of them are worthy of that worship. None of them are worthy of our praises. And did you know that when we worship other things, that God, He can't bless us. See, idol worship robs us of the blessings that God wants to give His people. Because, see, we're using our worship to worship other things or other people instead of worshiping the one that deserves the true worship, the one that deserves our attention, the one that deserves our passion, our hearts. And so, you know what? It just robs us of the blessings that God wants to give us. And so we know that none of them are worthy. And so with that, let's keep reading in verse 9. It says, then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him. Okay, we're talking about the sin offering. And he dipped his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty loaf from the liver of the sin offering, he burned on the altar as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. Again, you know what, just a reminder of what they were doing. As we see here, you know what, the fat and the fatty lobe and, and, the, and the, uh, uh, from the liver and the kidneys, all of the good stuff the Lord received. And uh, as we see here, it also says that the flesh of the sin offering was taken outside of the camp. As a reminder, why is it that the rest of of it was taken outside of the camp we know one thing that this sin offering is a, it, it symbolizes our sin right and and if we leave it within our fellowship within our surroundings it easily pollutes it right and so the Lord wants us to have that mental picture that you must always separate yourself from sin. And this includes company, right? Because we know that, you know what, have you ever been around people that, well, that are sinners, that are, you know, that want to party and, uh, you know, talk profanity. And, and you know what, you find yourself just being reeled into it, right? You begin to become like them, right? And it's hard, right? And and you know what? It's hard for us to say no when we're hanging out with them because the more you hang out with somebody, the more you become what? Like them. See, and that's why the Lord says, if you hang out more with me, guess who you're going to become like? Like Him. 
See, when we're, the more we pray, isn't it after you finish praying, you feel great? Why is it that you feel great after you've been praying? Because you've been in the presence of God. That's why. See, there's nothing that separates us when we pray. We're right in His throne room. Why is it when you read the Word of God, you feel great? You know what? Wow, look at that. Or, or you read something and then you feel like, man, you know what? The Lord spoke to me. Because again, you're in His presence. Anytime we're in His presence, you know what? He, he rubs off on us. And He strengthens us and we feel good. Because that's, the peop- that's who we want to hang out with. Ultimately, we want to be like Him. And so this is why the Lord desires that we would be praying and reading His Word And coming to church, right? Because when we come to church, guess who's here? The Lord is here, right? See, He doesn't reside in these four walls. He resides in us, right? And when we're together, we make up what? The church, the body of Christ. And so we're rubbing off on one another and the presence of God is with us. So let's keep reading in verse 12. It says, And he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around the altar. Then they presented the burnt offering to him with its pieces and head, and he burned them on the altar. Remember, this is what? The burnt offering, all of it has to be put on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with with the burnt offering on the altar. So again, it's a complete dedication. Remember, a burnt offering was like, you know, just a complete burnt offering, a complete sacrifice. Everything was given to the Lord. It was dedicated to Him. Let's keep reading in verse 15. It says, Then He brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it, and offered it for sin, like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the prescribed manner. Then he brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar besides the burnt sacrifice of the morning. He also killed the bull and the ram as sacrifices of peace offerings, which were for the people. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around the altar. Again, As we see here, oh, I'm sorry, and then verse 21 says, But the breast and the right thigh Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord as Moses had commanded. So as we see here, we see the people's sacrifices, right? All of their sacrifices, you know what? They were given what? They were were for the Lord preparing them, right? To cleanse them, to restore fellowship, to make them acceptable to the Lord. Remember, the Lord's glory was going to come before them. And these were all the preparation steps that were made so that God can come and His glory can be in their presence. And so the sin offering was for forgiveness. The burnt offering was for dedication. The grain offering was for service. And the peace offering, after they'd done all of this, was now to restore that peace and to have fellowship with God. And, of course, Aaron. Aaron, as we read there, he got the breast, and, uh, and I'm sorry. He uh, the breast and the I'm sorry. The, but the breast and the right thigh, Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord. As we know, these were his. As he was the one that was doing the offering, the sacrifice. And as we keep reading in verse 22, it says, "Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings." So he done, he's done all of these sacrifices. And after all the sacrifices are done, as you see there, what is it that Aaron does? He blesses the people. Do you see that? Do you see that in verse 22? It says that Aaron lifted his hand towards the people, blessed them, and came down after he had done all the work, all the sacrifices, all the offerings. See, in order for the people to receive blessings, they needed to have what? They needed to be cleansed and to be made right with the sacrifices in order to have the Lord's presence with them. 
See, we need to understand that as we approach God, we need to be cleansed. And prior to our approaching or being acceptable to God, we don't receive any blessings. See, as we read here, when it comes to us, I want to share this and I want you to have, you know, just the understanding of your blessings have only begun after you gave yourself to Jesus Christ. See, the blessings from God can only come after we receive the perfect sacrifice, after the work had been done. So when you place your faith in Jesus is when you receive all these spiritual blessings. See, Aaron, the spiritual leader, was blessing the people, right? And so for us, as a people of God, we can only receive the spiritual blessings after our faith in Christ, after the work had been done. See, and what's so awesome is that, you know, when we think about, you know, being in the Lord's presence, and that's what's going to be happening here. See, that's the ultimate blessing that we can ever receive as people. See, the presence of God is what we all seek, isn't it? Don't we want to be ultimately in His presence? That's why we gave ourselves to the Lord, right? Because, you know what, we knew that we were sinners. And we knew that everything that we've done and could do and have done and will do make us fall short. And so, you know, for us, you know what, we want to be receiving the spiritual blessings from God, but ultimately, the true blessing will be in His presence. See, because heaven is where God resides, and that's where we're going to go. See, when it comes to hell, hell is what? Hell is a place that separates you from God throughout eternity. That's what hell is. You know, you're going to be on your own in hell. You're going to be separated from God in hell. And none of us want that. And so... What we want is we want to be in His presence and we want to receive that ultimate spiritual blessing. And as Aaron blessed them after the sacrifices have been done, that's exactly what happens to us. The sacrifice of Jesus has taken place and as we receive it in faith, we receive the blessings. And then verse 23 says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. You know what? It says there that Moses and Aaron went back in the tabernacle. You know what? Aaron had already come out and blessed them, but he goes back in. He goes back into the tabernacle of meeting. And you wonder to yourself, why would they go back in? Because it gives us no indication. But it just says that he came out and he blessed them. So they got what? A double blessing. Isn't that awesome? To have... You know what, how many of us just say, you know what, it was like Elijah, Elisha, right? Elijah's assistant. What did he say? You know what, give me a double portion of you, of the Spirit of God, of, of your blessings. And that's what he received. And here, you know what, the people, they're receiving a double blessing. And let's see, as we see, as we read there, it's the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. See, the people had now received this double portion. They had now received the glory of the Lord that appeared before them, which is the ultimate spiritual blessing. And I want to remind you that in Exodus 40, in verse 33 and 34, and you don't need to turn there, but after the tabernacle had been completed, and this was the temporary dwelling place of God, right? Wherever God went, he was in that tabernacle, right? He led them by day with the cloud and by night by fire. And so wherever this tabernacle was, was where God would dwell in. And after the tabernacle was completed, the glory of the Lord came upon the tabernacle. It was a beautiful sight. And to think, you know what? How does that appear? How does that look? You know, I don't know how it looks because, you know, we haven't seen the glory of God. I mean, we see it, with, we know it's within us, but to be in His presence and to see the glory, I, I can't explain it. But it happened when the tabernacle was completed, and it happens here 
when the people have been cleansed and covered through the sacrifices. And that's what it says, that the glory of the Lord appeared before them. You know, when I think about this, imagine how gracious God was. You know what? To give forth His presence, His glory, so that they can see it. You know, to me, I, I think to myself, you know what? In all of their failures, and we know that the people of Israel failed much, right? How many times they kept slipping back, right? How many times did they complain that they rebel? How many times did they doubt and fear? And they didn't pay attention to the Lord and to His commands. And yet, God was gracious with them. See, God, that's, God, that's who God is, right? God is amazing when it comes to His grace. Because, see, none of us deserve anything that God has given us. Think of this. What did you do today? I could think back from this morning and think of all the ways that I failed God. And I don't think none of us are absent from that, right? I think if we really are true to ourselves and we can see ourselves and how we fall short, we can all admit to ourselves, you know what? We did bad today. I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have been like that. But yet, when it comes to us, He still allows us to have His presence dwell within us. See, you are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the glory of God is now dwelling where? In you. Isn't that amazing? To think, you know what? God dwells within me. How is that possible? Even when I fell short. You know what? He was dwelling with me. Even when I failed. You know what? When I said and thought things that I shouldn't have thought and said and done. That His glory is dwelling within me. You know, that's an amazing thing. And that's God's grace. Just like these people, right? Their sin was covered by what? By the sacrifices. Our sin has been covered by what? The sacrifice of Christ as we play, paid our, uh, placed our faith in Him. And because of Jesus, because of that ultimate sacrifice, the penalty that He paid, God dwells in you and in me. You know what? None of us are perfect and we all fall short of the glory of God. And we know one thing is that He dwells within us. That's what His Word says. And you can look it up in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Not now, but you can look it up another day. But it tells us there that the glory of God dwells within us. Even though we've fallen short, even though we're sinners, that's why grace is so amazing. And if we begin to understand His grace, you begin to yield your heart to Him. See, because none of us deserve any spiritual blessing. None of us deserve His presence. But it is only because of Christ that we, can, that we can be in the presence of God. And that His presence can live in us. See, that's the amazing grace. You know, the Bible also talks about the glory of God that dwells within the church. And we're not going to go there, but it's in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So within the body of Christ, the glory of God dwells too. But here, because, of, because the people were forgiven, they were dedicated, they declared their service to the Lord and they made peace with the Lord, that the glory of God was in their presence. And so we have here, you know, that through their obedience and their righteousness, and the fact that their sins were covered, that the presence of God could dwell with them. And this is only because of the blood of Christ. And it is because of the righteousness, you know, for us, the blood of Christ and the righteousness that comes from Christ, that we can dwell and be in the presence of God. Let's finish up in verse 24. It says, And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar, and when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. You know, as I think about this, right? 
the burnt offering, remember burnt offerings? They had to stay on the altar until they were completely what? Consumed, right? Until it completely became ashes. But you know what the Lord decided to do? He says, you know what? I'm going to show them my glory. Not only is my presence here, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something that's supernatural. And he sends fire from heaven to completely torch the burnt offering. Imagine, imagine there they know the glory of God is in their presence as they can see it, you know, as it's dwelling there. And all of a sudden, fire comes down from heaven and consumes a burnt offering. Imagine, what would you do if all of a sudden you saw fire come from heaven and you knew that God was there in your presence? You'd probably do the same thing as these people, right? They fell to the ground. And as it says there, they, sh they, they shouted and fell on their faces. You know, this is an amazing thing. You know, as we, as we think about this, right? You know, as they shout, you know, that shout was probably a shout of joy. And then the next thing they know is that they fall on their faces. Either in reverence or because of fear. See, the fear of God is something that I think is lacking in believers today. I want you to, I want you to pay close attention to what I'm going to say here. See, there are many preachers, I'll say that, teachers, and I've done it in the past, where I've only talked about one portion of the fear of God. And the first, that portion that we always talk about is the reverence of God. I think we've all heard that, right? When you have the fear of the Lord, that means that you have a reverence for God, you have a respect for God. And because of that reverence and that respect, it's going to drive you to do what is right. But see, I think that we are doing a disservice when we don't talk about fearing God. You know what? Remember, God is the one that gives you life and breath. And if we have no fear of God, then we're going to run rampant and do whatever we want, right? And I'm not just talking about a reverence. I'm talking about a godly fear. See, each and every one of us need to come to a place of fearing God. See, God can consume you. God can take you away today. And I don't think we think about that, right? We think, you know what, God is coming. You know what, yes, I respect God. God, you know what, yes, Holy Father. You know, we, we, we approach Him that way. But you know what, we forget that, you know what, that we must have a godly fear for Him. If you have a godly fear, if you know that He can consume you, if you know that He can take your breath away today, then you know what? It's going to move you to obedience. Do you remember your parents? You know what? When you were growing up, man, you know what? I had a, a parent fear for my parents, right? If I, didn't do, if I didn't do what they wanted me to do, guess what? You'd get in trouble, right? You know, I remember my mom, you know, uh, just uh, hitting my brother with a belt. And I was like, whoa, I don't want that to happen to me. See, the Lord's chastening is greater than that. The Lord's judgments are greater than that. And so why don't we move in godly fear to Him? See, we need to have a fear of God. I want you to know that. And that's a disservice because, see, people that have lost their fear of God are walking in disobedience. It's happening in the church. And that's because the preachers and the pastors are forgetting to talk about having a true fear of God. That God can consume you. That God's going to have judgment on you if you don't walk in obedience. If you continue to practice sin. See, many of us have fear of our bosses, fear of our parents, fear of other people. And because of that, we walk and we do what we're supposed to do at our jobs, right? And with our parents and with other people. But yet we've lost our fear of God. And so what we have here is that these people, right, they were moved with fear. You know, and so they fell to their faces. They shouted and they fell to their faces. You know, there's something that we forget to talk about. 
But you know what? The fear of God is a beginning of knowledge, right? It tells us what's right and wrong. You know, the fear of God, we know according to God's word what's right and what's wrong. And then it also says in Proverbs that the fear of God is a beginning of wisdom. You're going to know now what to do with certain things, right? You know, we're going to know that, you know what, if I do that, this is what's going to happen. That's the wisdom that I have. So I'm not going to go in that direction because I'm going to be faced with these things that I don't want. That's wisdom, right? I'm not going to do it. I know better. The fear of God, also in Proverbs, tells us that it hates evil. The fear of God hates evil. So in other words, you and I, we're not going to want to what? Participate in any of that. We're going to have also that godly fear of, of, of doing evil, right? Of not participating in anything that's evil. And in Proverbs also, it tells us that the fear of God prolongs your days. In other words, you know what? We're going to live longer. Why? Because we have a fear of God. We, as a people of God, need to come to a place of fearing Him. And you know what? I mean, that's just who He is. I mean, He is God. And if you truly feared Him and the consequences and the chastisement and the judgments that can come from God, if you walk in disobedience and you're not going to walk in it, you're going to walk you're going to desire to walk in obedience. Just like you did when you knew you were going to receive consequences from your parents. Or if you were at your job doing things wrong, you know that you're not going to want to do them. See, but God loves us greatly. And He says, you know what? My desire is that you guys would just obey me. Not only because you fear me, but because you also what? Love me. See, when it comes to love, you know what? It moves us to do certain things. You know, going back to, to my uh, illustrations of my parents, I loved my parents. And I didn't want to do things that were wrong because I didn't want to disappoint them because of my love for them. And so... You know, and the same thing with your job. If you like doing what God has blessed you with, the job, then you know what? You're going to want to follow the rules, aren't you? Because you want to continue to remain employed. You want to continue to have this place of employment. See, when it comes to our love of God, it's very similar, but it should be even greater than that. See, the Lord says the only way for, for you... To prove to me that you love me is by doing as I say. Because see, when we don't do what someone says, that means that you have no love for them or respect for them, right? Or you could care less about them. See, when somebody that you love tells you to do something, you're going to do it, right? And so, you know, the Lord says, you know, if you love me, do as I say. And these people, you know what? as we kept reading throughout this chapter, they all did as Moses commanded, right? They all did the sacrifices because all these instructions were given to Moses by who? By the Lord. And so they saw that, you know what, through all of this, the Lord's presence was with us. The glory of God was in our presence. Remember, they could only be blessed after what? The sacrifices, right? And then the glory of God was there. For us, we can only be blessed after we accept the ultimate sacrifice in our hearts. And that was His sacrifice. And now let's partake of all the spiritual blessings. Let us walk in obedience. Let us continue to be a people that look to please the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, when we seek to please Him... You know what? It's amazing all of the blessings that we get. You get heavenly, what are blessings? Heavenly rewards, right? Divine favor from God. That's what blessings are. You want God's favor in your life? And whatever God touches is what? Bears fruit, right? See, we want to be under the fountain of blessings, don't we? Each and every one of us. Don't we want to be there? If we want to be there, then let us 
act like we want to be there. Let us do as His Word says. Let us do as the Spirit of God is convicting us when we fall short. You get up and you do it. You stop sinning. You know, we all have the power that is in us to keep us from sinning. But that becomes up to you whether you want to tap into that power or not. Because many of us, we still want to satisfy ourselves, right? And we still say, you know what, I could do this or I could do that. That's your flesh, isn't it? Your flesh telling you, you know what, go ahead and do that. But the Spirit of God is telling you, don't do it. And the Spirit of God gives you the power not to do it. So don't ever say, you know what, I just can't do it. You know what, you can't do it. You're right in that. That's partially true. But the truth is, is that the power that is in you can do it through you. That is the Spirit of God. You know what, none of us, the Lord, always, the Lord tells us that He always gives us a way of escape if you're ever tempted. And he gives us the power that lives in us to overcome sin. Not to yield to it when we allow ourselves to follow the Spirit's leading. You know, we've said it in the past. You know, who do we feed? Do we feed our flesh or do we feed the Spirit? Who do we yield to? There's a battle going on within every one of us. But you know what? The battles get less and less when you begin to yield to the Spirit of God. And you will see yourself walking in victory over sin. You know, for God, He wants to be in our, he wants to be in our presence. And He wants to give you all these spiritual blessings. You know, there's, it's funny that many times, you know, I was sharing with, with a brother of mine. He was saying, you know what, there's certain things going on here and there. And, and you know what, I don't know how to address it. I said, well, you know what, sometimes, you know what, sometimes you say it in, to generalize to everybody. But sometimes, you know what, we're, the people that, that are doing these things, you, you generalize it. And they're always like this, you know, this person's doing it, that person's doing it. And, you know, when you give it to everybody, right? But there comes a time when you need to address the people. You need to talk to them about what they're, what they're falling short on in order for them to see it because we're all so blinded to things. What's important is that the Lord is saying, you know what? You are all an unfinished work. Ask the Lord, reveal to me, Lord, where I'm falling short. Where am I falling short? You know, where am I falling short from receiving all of these spiritual blessings from you? You know what? What is it that you're trying to teach me? I know I'm going through this or going through that. But there's an area where I'm falling short in. Help me to overcome that. I'm blinded to these things. I'm blinded. I can't see them because I like to point at everyone else when it comes to sin, but yet when it comes to myself, I can't see it. And may that be a prayer for all of us. That you know what, that if there's something going on in my life and in your life, may the Lord reveal it to us. And may we be open to hear what He's trying to show us. You know what, God's presence, He wants to do so much. He wants to throw down fire from heaven. He wants to show us His great and miraculous power. And you know what? There's areas in our life where we're preventing that from happening. And you know what? If we're true to ourselves, like 1 John says, you know what? If we say we have no sin, then we're liars. You know what, Lord? May you reveal to each and every one of us where we're falling short. I want your presence around me, radiating from me. May I not have dull eyes. May I not have eyes that are blinded to what you want to show me about myself that keeps your blessings, that keeps you from working powerfully in and through me. 
You know what? God wants to do a great work through us. Let me share this with you. God wants to do a great work in and through us. We prevent that. It's a shame. Again, you know, as I go back, is there a lack of fear? Do you look at God as being common? Have you lost your fear of God? Have you sort of become dull to Him? You know, God is God. God is a great I am. There's no one else greater than He. And He lives in us. And He wants to do a great and a mighty work through us. You know, let us not prevent any of this from happening in and through our lives. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord. Lord, as we saw, as we read today, Lord, just how all of these people, they had to do all these sacrifices to cover and to cleanse them of their sins, Lord. Lord, we know that you paid the ultimate price. We know that you gave your body, Lord. You gave it up. You gave your blood, Lord, to pay our penalty, Lord. You suffered and died, but you counted it all joy, Lord, for what was set before you. Lord, we know that where sin abounds, grace abounds, Lord. And we saw that today, Lord, how you brought your presence before the people, Lord. Even though they didn't deserve it, Lord, but the sacrifices covered and cleansed them, Lord. Lord, we want, Lord Jesus, we love your grace, Lord. And your word also tells us that just because of your grace, does that mean that we can sin? No, Lord. Your word says absolutely not. Your presence and your glory and your marvelous works you want them to be manifested within our lives. I pray now, Lord, that for all of us, Lord, if there's any part, any thing in our lives, any sin, Lord, that is preventing, Lord, even greater works through us, that you would reveal it to us Lord, and that we would be sensitive, Lord, to say no to it, Lord. We want to be acceptable and perfect, and we are through the righteousness of your Son, Lord. But yet, we want you to work greater, greater things in and through us. We want to bear great and abundant fruit. We want your presence to be glorified around us. Lord, reveal us. Reveal our sins to us, Lord. Whatever we're blinded to, Lord, reveal it to us so that we may not hinder, Lord, your glorious work and your glorious presence. Lord, as a people, we're all here, Lord. As we heard from you, Lord. Lord, may we have a fear of you, Lord. Not just one of reverence, Lord. but also of you, Lord. A godly fear, Lord, that would move us, Lord, to obedience. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for just the glorious word that you shared with us today. If there's any here that uh, as the word said that Moses and Aaron went back into the tabernacle and they came out and blessed the people a second time. We know that we are spiritually blessed, Lord. And Lord, but we want double portions of your blessings, Lord. Lord, and this can only come, Lord, as we come and ask for it. So, Lord Jesus, I pray now and I ask you, Lord, that as a people of God here, Lord, that we would be confessing our sin, Lord, admitting to our sin, Lord, and walking in it no more, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you forgive this church, Lord, of 
the sins, Lord, that it has done and that it has allowed. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of me, Lord, as your, as the under-shepherd here in this church, Lord. If there's anyone here, Lord, that, uh, that you are talking to right now, that you are revealing maybe sin in their life, sin that they, are, that they have kept hidden, Lord, to themselves and haven't shared it with others, but that want to confess it to you now, Lord, so that they wouldn't hinder, Lord, the, the work that you want to do in their lives. May they just raise up their hand, Lord. Amen. And just say, Lord, forgive me. Is there anyone here that wants to do that aside from this one that has raised their hand? Anyone else? Anyone else? Before we close. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you saw these hands, Lord. Strengthen them by your spirit. We know that you can, Lord. And Lord Jesus, may they have a double portion of your spirit, Lord. And may you be glorified, Lord. And may you, Lord Jesus, just shower them, Lord, with the fountain of your blessings, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your glorious word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.